Hello everyone. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, but Ma, that's my favorite movie and I am your host B. Lede. So let me go ahead and address the elephant in the room. I have been gone for some weeks now and just to be a little honest for a second um I've had some things come up um it wasn't intentional to take that long of a break because I've been super consistent with this podcast and I've been very adamant on being consistent um because this is the first thing that I've done in a while um that I've been you know super passionate about I've had a clear idea of what I want to do for the most part. There's some things I change up here and there, but this is generally a thought out idea and I actually have executed it. I guess that's the best way to say it. Like I said, that break wasn't intentional, but it happened. And, um, I, you know, I've had a change of things happening. Um, one situation that happened and, you know, in, in December I moved. So I've noticed uh, that I have taken on a lot more responsibilities than I did in the previous place I stayed because I did move in December. Um, and so everything has changed. And so I've noticed since I have a lot more on my plate, it's kind of changed up, um, the, the motivation, uh, but don't get me wrong, not like in a bad way, but it's just because I'm having to juggle other things. Um, and, <laughs> I'm trying to gather my thoughts here so they make sense. And normally when I'm kind of going off the dome, they don't. But um, yeah, so I just, I'm juggling some things, had something happen. And so I mentally just had to go on break. I mean, I kind of had no choice. Um, I had a bit of a creative block. And so um, now I'm back and I am ready to continue and going forth um, because what really matters is you know, not when you get knocked down, but how you get back up. And so I'm not going to punish myself for taking a break or for, you know, stopping. I am going to just keep going and I'm going to try to continue to self-motivate myself that um, no matter what the results look like, no matter what the numbers look like, and no matter how I feel at any point, I'm going to keep going and I'm just not going to stop. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Now, if you are new to this podcast, <laughs> I normally don't start it like that, but um, I just wanted to address my absence a little bit. Um, so yeah, if you're new to this podcast, what I do is introduce movies. We may critique them a little, but that's not what it's all about. We normally have two different styles of episodes and in today's episode, the style is going to be theme, right? So what we do is I have a theme for the episode and I will talk about two different movies. And so the plot of each of these movies will be centered around the subject of what this episode is about. And um, what I do is I'll give an introduction to what the movie is about and I pretty much give you some of the details of the beginning of the movie up until like the major plot point. 
And so today's episode is titled, But Ma, That's My Favorite House Guest Movie. Now, I have to say this. Do not play with But Ma, That's My Favorite Movie podcast when it comes to creating unique themes here, okay? You cannot touch me on that. That is one thing that I pride myself in is I I know how to create, okay? Um, I may be a small creator, but I feel like I come up with some pretty grand things. And that's just me tooting my horn for a little bit. All right. So before we do get into the movies we're going to talk about today, I do want to let you know about our social media. So if you aren't already, please follow our social media pages where you will be able to get a sneak peek about upcoming episodes and also see what movies we'll be discussing in those episodes. And what I do in order to kind of make that fun, instead of just like, hey, these are the movies we're going to talk about, I actually make a game of it called Guess That Theme slash Movie. And um, pretty much I will post a visual with the stills from the movie. And you just pretty much you know guess what type of theme it's going to be or you can you know you can say what movie you think I'm going to be talking about you know either one works it's just all in fun so where you can find us is on Facebook Instagram and Twitter I do have a website which is but ma that's my favorite movie.com and on my site you can actually write reviews about the podcast Um, you are also able to give me movie or theme suggestions and all of the handles and link to the website will be in the show notes slash description below so you could definitely check that out and then make sure if you're loving the episodes the the content that you're hearing uh, please do not be afraid to shout us out by tagging any of our social media pages or by giving us a review on the Apple podcast site or on the website. Um, and then also, if you do that, I'll actually give you a shout out on the episode, which is super cool. So if you want to get shouted out, you know exactly what to do. All right, so let's get into this theme today. So we're going to be talking about movies that pretty much show the ugly side of having house guests. Um, in one movie, we have where the characters absolutely end up hating their ho- house guests. And then we have another uh, movie where basically they completely love their house guests and he actually changes their lives for the better. Um, so I guess not all of them are showing the ugly side. Just one is showing the ugly side. So I guess the good and bad of house guests. Yeah, you could say that. Um, So yeah, let's go ahead and get right into it. So uh, let's get into the first movie. Light, camera, action. How would you murder someone? If you have a question, Los Angeles, then you should just ask someone else. Because I swear to God, I don't know anymore. What am I talking about? House guests. House guest from hell. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to me. No, you get that snack later. You listen to me. Lock your doors. Don't answer the phone. If you have to leave the country, then leave the country. But don't let them in. They may look like your mother, your father, your sister, your friend, but they're not. They're slimy. They're cockroaches. If the world was to suffer... A nuclear holocaust, the only surviving life form would be house guests. Ah! 
Okay, so that quote is by the character Jesse, who's played by Kirstie Alley in Madhouse. And I actually sometimes, depending on the movie, I'll say one quote, but sometimes there's always a second one I want to say as well. And so she does have another one that I like more, but I felt like that one was more longer and a little bit more, you know, elaborate versus this one. But (laughs) I love this one too. So let me go on with the next quote. Lights, camera, action. Now I want you to get your gold digging lily white ass out of my house (laughs) I swear that is one of the most prominent lines that I remember from this movie (laughs) because I I feel like whenever you get language in movies where it has realness and rawness to it because that really sounds like something someone would say to someone when they're like pissed off it sticks with me um just like the quote I did from soul food like there's other meaningful quotes in the movie from big mama but I choose the one from freaking um I can't think of the character's name but uh she's played by Vanessa Williams and I choose her quote uh, you know about you know her bursting out and telling everyone what she's been holding in from you know what she saw so Uh, That's just one of the lines that sticks with me to this movie um, till this day. Uh, But anyways, this movie was released February 16th, 1990. The director and writer is Tom Ropoliski. I know I kind of said that like there should be a question mark at the end, but sometimes these names really get me guys. So please don't judge me. He directed Look Who's Talking, which is another one of the movies I absolutely love that stars Christy Alley as well. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the summary of this movie. Okay, so new homeowners Mark and Jesse Bannister, and I say that for a reason. Uh, well, I say it like that for a reason. Um, they are super excited for a house they just bought due to the market going down, allowing them to be able to afford it. So they're happy and ready to enjoy their new house, which is an upgrade from their apartment that they had previously. So as they're enjoying their home, Jesse is going through the mail, which is post dated three weeks back. And she sees a letter from Mark's cousin named Fred saying they were coming to visit. Turns out the day they saw the letter is the same day they are supposed to arrive. How crazy, right? Now, initially, Jesse doesn't think it's a good idea for his cousin to stay with him, but Mark reassures her it it will be okay because it's only going to be five days, right? It's not going to hurt to have your cousin over that you haven't seen in years for five days, right? Now, Jesse is actually a news anchor and uh, Mark is actually a stockbroker. And they are very successful in their work. So they're doing very good because literally on this day that they find all this stuff out, um, Jesse hears from, I'm not sure what he was exactly, like what his position was, but he was someone higher up. So he was some type of manager or producer or something. Um, And he tells her that she's possibly going to have an opportunity to do the evening news because currently she is how would I describe this? So basically she does just one segment on the show where she basically asks 
a question to people in the community and sees what their answer is. And that's pretty much all she does. She doesn't report any news or she doesn't do the weather. She just does one particular segment. So if she had the opportunity to do the nightly news, that would definitely be a step up because that is going to allow her to branch out. So that's very good. Um, Mark also lands an account with a very rich man. And I'm not sure, I'm guessing this is a man who's just heavy in stocks. And so he ends up landing this account with him by telling him about this, you know, stock or this company that he should invest in that's going to make him lots of money, so on and so forth. So everything is going super, super good. Um, and plus, they don't have any kids. So it's just them in this house with their successful careers. So they're doing very good for themselves and they really don't have much worries. So Fred, who is the cousin, of course, they're coming in town. They're expecting them. And um, Mark pretty much goes to Jesse's job so to get her from work so that she's able to actually go with him to the airport so that they're both able to greet their cousin because of course he hasn't seen him well you don't know but he hasn't seen him in a long time and so he wants to make a really great impression and of course he wants his wife to be able to uh, meet him and so Mark ends up telling Jesse that Fred used to get all of the girls in school and pretty much telling Jesse how much of a hunk that Fred was in school. So Jesse is expecting to, to see this well put together, good looking guy that Mark has been describing. But whenever they see Fred uh, coming off of the plane, um, he's not exactly what Mark remembered. Um, frankly, he looks sick and scrawny and kind of goofy looking. Um, he just does not look well in more ways than one, like physically and mentally. He doesn't really kind of seem like not saying he's not stable, but you know, some people when they look drained, it just kind of bleeds off in their aura. You can kind of feel it. You're getting all of that from Fred. And so, and so, you know, we're getting all of that from Fred and then we meet his wife, whose name is Bernice. And instantly we see how talkative she is and pretty much how she seems pretty judgy um, and pretty much ob obnoxious. She's an obnoxious person. And so instantly both Jesse and Mark are put off by her, but they are being nice because she is married to Fred, who is Mark's cousin. And um, also she told him that she's pregnant. So, you know, you don't want to be the person who's mean to a pregnant lady, right? So then um, Fred ends up also spilling the beans that he had got laid off from his job working at like this, like sewage center or whatever. <laughs> and so it's a lot to take in. You know, we're, we're seeing the cousin the way he's looking. We're getting the talkative, obnoxious wife. Uh, we find out she's pregnant. We find out he's been laid off. So, so far they're getting a lot more than they expected. They already weren't technically expecting to have guests over and now they're getting all of this baggage from them figuratively of what's going on in, in their lives and then um after the initial greeting um they immediately go to get their bags and they discover that bernice has a cat named scruffy okay she the way she says his name because she has like this jersey accent because that's where they're from that's where they're coming from and um mark and jesse they live in california so they're coming literally across the freaking you know 
uh, nation to go see them. And so, yeah, Bernice has a cat named Scruffy Bannister. And it's kind of an ongoing joke thing that's happening with this cat. Because, you know, the thing of it having or cats having nine lives. Well, uh, they definitely play on that in this in this movie. And it's pretty funny. But um, the cat pretty much throws the couple off, you know, because they got all this other stuff going on. And then it turns out she brought her freaking pet with them. They didn't know that. And so they still continue to play nice because, you know, they're guests. You don't want to make your guests feel uncomfortable. You don't want them to feel um, bad. And you just you want to try to be, you know, good hostess. Right. So once they get home, Bernie's instantly starts to like judge their home, making a comment saying it's kind of small. Like, I guess you thought it was they were going to live in a bigger house because they're in California and, and, you know, what they do for a living. And so the house is a nice size for two people who don't have kids. So it's like, "Mm, girl, why you tripping? Like, I wonder where y'all stay at for you to judge their house. You know what I'm saying? And so... Uh, Mark ends up showing Bernice and Fred to the room that they're going to be staying in. And once again, Bernice has something to say pretty much like, you know, not really liking the idea of sleeping on the type of bed that they had in that room. Um, especially because, you know, she's, she's one of those people when they get pregnant, they want to talk about everything to do with their pregnancy they always got to mention and you know make people remember like oh yeah I'm pregnant don't forget right even though you told me that two seconds ago and so she's one of those people and so pretty much to accommodate them uh Mark pretty much says that they can actually sleep in their bedroom and at first Jesse's like are you crazy why would you do that but once again Mark is trying to be a good host so, um, the initial days that, you know, Fred and, and Bernice are staying there, they are a bit cringy more on Bernice's side. Um, she's carrying all the cringe, um, but it's, it's a little cringy. It's a little awkward, but it's not too terrible. Um, because what's keeping them going and, you know, being nice to them and, you know, just not telling, you know, Bernice off, either one of them, Mark or uh, Jesse, is the fact that they're only staying for five days. So they're like, okay, we can handle this for five days and they'll be gone, right? No big deal. So being good hosts, you know, Jesse and Mark, they do take them around LA. They show them, you know, different touristy spots. Uh, you know, they just take the time out to just hang out with them and, and show them around to different stuff that's in LA. And it looks like it's fun for the most part. Um, there are a couple rough moments with Bernice because she's quite the character. Um, and plus they're from Jersey. So this California, LA is a whole different beast to them. Um, but it, it, it seems pretty fun for the most part. Um, but the only thing bad that happens is, uh, for some reason, Fred thought it was a good idea to take a picture with these hookers <laughs> or actually, you know what? Let me correct myself right there. And this, this is a, um, a teaching moment, I guess you can say, um, sex workers. Uh, he took some pictures with some sex workers who ended up basically robbing, robbing him for his traveler's checks. And I was thinking to myself, what is a freaking traveler's check? Because, I didn't grow up in the era where I was able to write checks 
pretty much as soon as I got a bank account, it was immediately the whole debit card thing. Um, but I remember, you know, seeing my grandma, my great grandma. Um, I don't know if my dad ever did. I'm, I'm sure he did. Uh, you know, did the era where they had to write checks. And so I'm guessing traveler's checks are specific checks that whenever you go out of town, those are checks that you use to, you know, that's how you spend your money, you know, because you didn't necessarily have like a debit card. And so those get stolen. So that puts a little damper on the trip because it's like, that's literally how they were able to spend their money because they didn't have any cash. Cause I guess traveling, that wouldn't be the best idea to have cash on you, which I mean, I guess that makes sense. So pretty much, um, after they have that, you know, fulfilling day, um, Mark pretty much creates an itinerary for them, Fred and Bernice to keep them busy for the day, but without them, because they're like, Oh, we got lots of stuff we need to do. You know, we're not going to be able to show you the rest of LA and like all the other touristy spots we have, we didn't go to. So here's an itinerary. This tells you everywhere to go, all the good spots, so on and so forth. And then Fred is like, yeah, this would be nice, but we don't have any money. And then, um, pretty much Mark and Jesse, they want alone time so bad they're willing to cough up money for them so that they can leave them to be alone because they haven't really had um, a lot of time to be able to do that in this home. And so Fred initially doesn't want to take the money. He does end up taking the money and they go on their way and they have a day full of stuff to do while, you know, Jesse and Mark are able to just stay home, chill, relax, drink, and, you know, not worry about having guests there for a moment. So as they're enjoying this alone time, Jesse's sister actually comes over, which with a bunch of her bags because her husband and her pretty, pretty much aren't seeing eye to eye. And so she figured the best thing to do was to go to her sister's house. And Jesse and Mark pretty much hint at some point that she's done this before that her sister, whose name is Claudia and her husband, they've had spats like this before where pretty much Claudia will run off and, I guess pretty much normally she ends up going back. Um, but this time is a little different because I guess Claudia's husband has is fed up with her constantly after his money um, that he puts her on an allowance and the allowance that he's given her is not good enough. Um, and just to, to give you a little bit of information about Claudia, she's pretty much what you would call a gold digger. Um, all she cares about is money living lavishly she has a very high standard of living okay um she's not going to be dating anyone that makes probably less than one two three four five probably less than like seven or eight figures to be honest um yeah so that's the type of woman she is and so what ends up happening is as they're accumulating these house guests you know they tried to come up with a plan um, to try to get them to go away. So of course they're expecting after the five days, uh, Fred and Bernice are going to be leaving. Um, and then they try to pawn off Claudia, um, to someone else, but their plan is going to go up in smoke. Um, 
And so pretty much if you want to know exactly what happens, you're going to have to watch the movie. Um, I definitely don't spoil the movies in this type of episode because like I said, I just give you the beginning of it up to the plot point. Um, and then from there, you could just decide if you want to check it out because I don't want to spoil it for you if it does sound like something you're interested in watching. Um, but I guarantee that this movie is very, very entertaining. Um, I mean, it's not much thought into it. You don't have to overthink things. There isn't any mystery. There isn't any, you know, deep, deep meanings. It's just comedy, fun, something that would make you feel good. All right. So let's get into uh, the cast that we have here and then we'll get into the behind the scenes information. All right. So the first person we have on our cast list here is John Luriquette, who plays Mark Bannister. He was also in Night Night Court, which is a TV show in the movie Stripes. Um, then we have Kirstie Alley, who plays Jesse Bannister. Absolutely loved her and look who's talking. And she was also in Village of the Damned. I keep wanting to say the in front of it for some weird reason. And I had forgot that she was actually in that movie. And that is one movie I do want to talk about on this podcast. Okay, next up we have Allison LaPlaca, who plays Claudia. She was also in Fletch and the show Friends. Um, and then we have John Deal, who plays Fred and he was also in the movie The Client and Jurassic Park 3. We have Jessica Lundy who plays Bernice. She was in Single White Female and The Inspectors, the TV show. We have Bradley Gregg who plays Jonathan. He was in Stand By Me and Nightmare on Elm Street 3. We have Dennis Miller who plays Wes. He was in Joe Dirt and The Net. We have Robert Ginty who plays Dale. Uh, he was in The Exterminator and The Bounty Hunter. And then we have Wayne Tippett, who plays Grindel. And he was in JFK and Nurse Betty. And then last but not least, we have Paul Fiding, who played Stark. And he did the voice on the show Ben 10 and also Metal Gear Solid. And then um, some of the behind the scenes info we have. Um, this was actually Dennis Miller's feature film debut, um, which I thought was interesting because when I see him, he looks very familiar. Like I've seen him in other things before. Like he has a very familiar face. So this was actually his first, you know, feature film. Um, and the next little information we have here. Okay. So although it's a comedy, the movie makes reference to two horror movies with the cat coming back to life is basically the scene from Pet Cemetery, And then we have the dead zombies wanting to stay at their dream house sequence. And that's from Night of the Living Dead. Now, John Lorquette was approached for this film while working on the sixth season of Night Court. But pretty much the show's executive producer would not allow Lorquette the time off to make the film. Um, because of the delays in the film, Lerquette was approached again during the seventh season of Night Court. Um, but this time, the show's producer and film's producer worked out a schedule that would allow Lerquette to work on both projects simultaneously. So Mondays to Fridays, Lerquette would rehearse for the series during the day and work on the film all night. And then on Friday nights, the series would tape their episodes and as soon as taping finished, he would go to the film set and work all weekend. 
So it sounds like he worked um, <laughs> a pretty busy schedule in between, you know, filming the show and doing the movie. But I think that's really cool because if a film, if whoever is producing the film really wants you, they're going to find a way to get you in that film. Um, so that's a compliment to his acting chops because they felt like he was perfect for that role. All right. Well, that's all I got for that movie. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the next movie we have here. Lights, camera, action. The entire 1994 baseball season. Know what I'm saying? I got King Griffey Jr. here, Barry Bonds, Jose Conseco. People spend big money for baseball cards, but if they get hurt, it's even worth more money. Say one of them's going to the car after the game, gets hit, pow. I don't want to see it, but if it does, I'm getting paid. That quote is from Kevin Franklin, who's played by Sinbad in the movie House Guest. Okay, I feel like I really brought this movie out the vault um, if you were a 90s kid. Um, this is definitely a movie I have not seen in forever, probably since the 90s, to be honest. And so watching it again, um, there's specific things that happened that brought back memories. And I was like, oh, I remember that part. Oh, I remember that. Oh, that's familiar. Um, but of course, you know, initially I couldn't think of anything from the movie until I watched it again. Then I was like, oh, okay. This movie was released January 6, 1995. And the writers that we have, so we have two writers. The first one is Michael J. D. Gattono, who wrote the Ferris Bueller TV show. I think it maybe had a couple episodes, maybe just one season. Didn't even know that was a thing, um, but that's cool. And also wrote Flesh and Blood. And then we have Lawrence Gay, who sometimes these writers, um, it's almost like they've been on the same projects together. Maybe, I don't know if they're like, you know, kind of career partners and kind of do just the same things. Um, but he also did some, wrote for the Ferris Bueller TV show as well and Flesh and Blood. Um, but he also wrote uh, What Boys Like and Get Smart. And the director is Randall Miller, who directed bottle shock and cbgb all right let's get into the summary so kevin franklin has high ambitions on being a millionaire one day uh, he pretty much grew up as a poor orphan and so he wants nothing more to live the lavish lifestyle to be able to get whatever he wants whenever he wants and to just kind of sit back and enjoy it um, but he's not the hardworking, put in sweat and tears into like building your empire type of guy um, he pretty much tries to find any get rich quick schemes that he can find. So he gets lottery tickets. He tries to watch, you know, videos where people are giving information about how to get rich. And um, he comes up with the idea to buy hundreds of baseball cards to see if he can kind of get any that are worth any money, which is what that quote came from. Um, and he's just pretty much trying to do anything possible to make money except actually working hard to make money. And so Kevin is holding on to this big dream he has of becoming this millionaire. And while he's dreaming, he actually forgets that he borrowed money from this mafia. And so we have this duo that consists of Polly and Joey who pretty much come to his apartment to collect their funds. But obviously Kevin doesn't have the money, especially the amount that they're asking for, uh, which is $50,000. And so 
Kevin mentions like, yeah, I borrowed like 5,000. And they're like, yeah, you accured some uh, interest, some fee, late fees. And it just made me curious how long ago he borrowed that money that it's the interest has gone up to up to, I mean, it's tripled, not tripled. No, it did not triple doubled 5,000. No, maybe that was triple. Okay. Let's just say it went up a lot more than what he initially borrowed. And so they pretty much give him two choices. We either can kill you now, um, or you can give us the money tomorrow. And so they are pretty lenient on them because I guess at the end of the day, they rather have their money. So they're willing to give him a chance to have him be able to provide the money. And so pretty much Polly makes it very clear that Franklin should not skip town. And so what Franklin heard was, here's a plan, skip town. And so he actually goes to the airport Um, He buys a ticket to Saw Bahamas and he's thinking, I'm going to skip town. I'm going to be able to get away with this. Not have to owe nobody nothing and still try to figure out a way to become a millionaire in the meantime. But unfortunately for him, the loan sharks are already at the airport. They actually catch him before he even gets the security and um, pretty much try to take him away. And I'm guessing possibly to maybe shake him down, maybe actually to kill him. Um, but because Kevin is such a quick thinker, he finds a way to escape and he ends up pretty much stumbling across this man and his two kids. And he pretty much overhears the kids asking this man about his friend. So this man who we're going to, you know, learn his name is Gary. He is picking up a longtime friend. They haven't, you know, been around each other in like 25 years, but they used to be friends 25 years ago. And, um, they they have all these plans to just enjoy Memorial Day weekend together and um just a little hindsight here most of the plans that he has for his friend Derek so Gary who's and trying to pick up Derek um he had plans to pretty much show off his friend to everyone that he knows cuz he was super proud of his accomplishments you know of everything that he's done um but anyway so Kevin overhears Gary explaining to his kids Um, what his friend looks like. He's like, oh, he's tall, he's black. Um, And like pretty much saying, you know, it's been 25 years so people can change, people can look different. And so pretty much Kevin takes this as an opportunity to be able to really get away from the loan sharks because if he goes off with his family, um, then they really will not be able to get him because one, the loan sharks know where he lives and um, he has no other place to go. And so, um, pretty much what Kevin ends up doing is he approaches Gary and at first he acts like he's going to like walk him by him. And then he's like, Oh, Gary, it's me. You remember me? And then at first Gary's like, um, like kind of hesitant, like not quite sure. And then, um, then Gary plays along now he's not playing along with it but he's like oh okay because he literally just made that statement that after 25 years people can change or look different and so he's like oh Derek it's you and so they start talking and um we later end up finding out that Derek is this prestigious guy he's an Arthur he's a dentist Uh, he's this you know kind of expert in wine tasting um, he just has a lot of talents and skills about him. 
And of course, Kevin is the complete opposite of this Derek guy. And so pretty much Kevin ends up being put into all these different situations where he needs to either talk about his profession, uh, talk about the book he wrote or demonstrate any of his skills from the wine tasting to being a dentist. Um, And of course, since, you know, Kevin doesn't know how to do any of these things or doesn't know about the book or doesn't know anything about wine. Um, he pretty much in these situations is pretty much bullshitting and just saying a lot of nothing and making jokes and people end up loving him because he seems so free. He seems so sure of himself, even though he's not really saying anything. Um, but he gives off this, you know, this fun energy. And because he's in these spaces where people are more uptight, um, they really embrace him. And so even though he's not really doing anything, he is doing something by kind of brightening up and loosening up these people around him. And then on top of all of that, um, even when he does get away from the loan sharks, they do end up finding him. And so he ends up having to try to get away from his getaway, if you know what I mean. And so that this movie is super, super fun. Um, once again, it's just like Madhouse, nothing too deep about it. Um, just something very uh, entertaining. And I would just like to say this, put some respect on Sinbad's name, put some respect on it. And I say that respectfully <laughs> because Sinbad was a freaking genius. Like he was so funny. He was so natural. Um, I really wish he had some sort of, you know, tie into film today, but I understand people have their times where they come out, they're stars, they're doing great, they're on top. And then, uh, you always have the next generation that comes up and, you know, they're doing their thing and then they'll end up slowing down or retiring. And then the next generation, the next, you know, it happens. It's the cycle of life. Um, but I really wish we could have saw more of him because he was an absolute gem um, to be able to watch on the screen. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into this cast here. All right, so Sinbad, who plays Kevin Franklin, he was also in Jingle All the Way, which which I talked about in my Christmas episode. Um, He was also in Good Burger, which I talked about in the Nickelodeon TV episode. And um, he was also in the movie Coneheads as well. Um, so he has quite the resume and he's been in some really, really good classics. All right. And then we have Phil Hartman who plays Gary Young and he was also in Jingle All the Way and in Small Soldiers. And I love Phil Hartman. He, he, he was a, he's, he's a joy to watch as well. I really love him. Um, then we have Kim Greist who plays Emily Young. She was in Manhunter and Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. We have Kim Murphy, who who plays Brooke Young. She was in City of Angels in the show 24. We have Chauncey Laparty, who plays Jason Young. He was in The Sandlot, which I talked about in my summer movie episode, and also in Casper. We have Talia Cedar, who plays Sarah Young. She's known for this movie. Uh, we have Paul Ben Victor, who plays Polly. Gasparini, who was in Tombstone and Daredevil. And then we have uh, Tony Longo, who plays Joey Gasparini. So they play brothers. Um, Those were the Lone Sharks. He was in 16 Candles and Angels in the Outfield. And when I was looking up his movies, I saw that he did pass away 
in 2015, I believe. Um, so RIP to him. Um, I hate to see that, you know, actors who pass away. Um, but at least we have movies like this where you can always go back and, you know, see the work that they did. Um, then we have Jeffrey Jones who plays Ron Timmerman. He was in Beetlejuice and I talked about that movie in the Halloween episode and he was also in the classic, classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the movie. <laughs> um, then we have Stan Shaw, who plays Larry, the tattoo artist. He was in the Monster Squad, which is funny because my boyfriend was literally just watching that yesterday. Um, and in the movie Cutthroat Island. And then we have Ron Glass, who plays the real Dr. Derek Bond. And he was in Serenity and Lakeview Terrace. Um, then we have Kevin Jordan, who plays Steve aka st3 and it looks like he actually got more into writing and directing which i thought was super cool and so um a movie that he wrote and directed well two of them was smiling fish and go on fire and broken dreams boulevard which look looks to be a movie that came out or premiered on tv all right let's get into some of this behind the scenes information so uh, the first thing we have, John Candy was actually the first choice to play Kevin Franklin, but he died before filming began. That is terrible. Um, that's definitely terrible. You know, I really hate to hear when someone isn't able to play a role because they, you know, passed away. Uh, but I think Sinbad definitely did this movie justice. He did what he needed to do for that character. All right, the next thing we have here, because... Okay, McDonald's was like a prominent thing in this movie. And that was actually one of the things I remembered most about it. Like, and one, and one of the beginning scenes where he got groceries, he actually got some McDonald's and he was eating it. And when he sat down to like watch the movie or like the doc movie where he's talking about how to get rich or how to make money. Um, and he has the lottery ticket. I remember that. That came back to me. I said, oh, that looked very familiar. Um, but anyway, so the McDonald's that Kevin Franklin is seen visiting in C. Weekly was an empty storefront. So basically in this small town of C. Weekly, I hope I'm saying that right, um, in which most of this movie was filmed, they actually don't have a McDonald's. So they actually built a complete functional McDonald's that was open for business during the shoot. And then after you know they were done shooting they closed it down and dismantled it and I think that's absolutely crazy that that happened because just for this movie they built a McDonald's and all of that and this is something even crazier so in 1995 both this film and Bye Bye Love featured extensive McDonald's product placement but neither film was accompanied by a promotional tie in with the fast food restaurant so they did all of that built a mcdonald's you know talked about the big mac talked about the different foods on the mcdonald's menu and yet they had no promotional tie with them maybe i don't know what that was then like why did they maybe because mcdonald's was super popular in the 90s and so they just felt people could relate to that um i, I don't really know um but i think that's crazy because normally they're not going to basically spell something out or uh, make sure that they're, they're going to talk about a, a specific product without that type of, you know, promotional tie or whatever. All right. The last thing we got here is second of three films that Phil Hartman and Sinbad appeared in together. Um, the first one was Coneheads. They were also in the movie Jingle All the Way. 
Um, but however, they only shared screen time in this film. So even despite them being in three films together, this was the only movie that they actually shared screen time, which is cool because they did have a really, really good dynamic. All right. Well, that is actually all of the movies that I have today. Um, thank you so much for anyone who is a returning listener. Thank you so much if you're listening to this episode for the first time. Um, I really, really, really appreciate you, um, my returning listeners. You're a real one, period. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you so much. I know I took that break, but um, we definitely want to keep pushing, keep going. I want to keep producing episodes, so be on the lookout for that. And you know what? It is time. The show is over, the credits are rolling, and I'll see you at the next show time.